The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, this was our day independent of what went on in the NFL news cycle, that we had pledged we were going to take the pulse of the city of Miami in regards to the dog. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what we do here. We just have to do it every once in a while. And uh, uh, lo and behold, minutes before we start our recording, the Dolphins uh, acquire Tyreek Hill. They had, uh, what, last night sign Teron Armstead. Things are happening here in Miami. And... I don't want to alarm you, but we brought in a special guest, a third man in the booth, and I'd AKA like to welcome my <laughs> like replacement. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how it goes. But with that, I'd like to bring in NBA staff writer, podcaster, Miami Dolphins, I don't know, number one fan in my book, Rohan Netkarni joins us. Rohan, you must be, you must be feeling yourself right now. First of all, it's about time you guys had me on. Every week I have to see the coastal elitists at Sports Illustrated, the national <laughs> media, just ignore what's happening in Miami, ignore uh, the brilliance of Tua Tagovailoa. I have to read Gary's just disgusting, awful power rankings every week. Um, you know, Gary doesn't putting, like them either, by the yeah, way. Putting the Dolphins at, you know, God knows, 20th in the league after – Beating the Patriots twice, etc. All all kinds of injustices. 
uh, that we have to address on the podcast today. And it just so happens that once again, just like in 72, uh, just like in 84, (laughs) uh, just like when Ricky Williams ran for 1,800 yards, the Dolphins are once again uh, the center of the football universe. So it's it's a very exciting time to be on with you guys. I just want to be clear before we start. Uh, Miami is 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 on the coast, and you're in Los Angeles, also on the coast. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in inland, inland LA. Yeah, I'm on the east side. I can't see the water from where I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's start with Tyreek. Uh, this boy, this happened really fast. I mean, the reports started trickling out sort of early afternoon that he might get traded very soon. There was an impasse with contract talks with the Chiefs, and uh, we'll get to this really wild wide receiver market uh, in just a moment. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Dolphins are basically giving him the contract and also giving up the draft compensation that uh, includes 2022 first round pick, second round pick, uh, some other stuff, a lot of draft picks. You know how it goes. And then he gets uh, right now, uh, what, what's it being reported as? Like four years, 20, uh, 120 it's four million? Four years, 120, but it's like 70 million guaranteed, which makes me believe they have a three year out or something along those lines. Yeah. It's usually three years. Three years yeah. is a good rule of thumb for any of these contracts. But uh, what does Tyreek make this offense into now? Because uh, they had Jalen Waddell, who in a lot of ways is very similar to him. So now you have basically the fastest receiver tandem probably in the history of the NFL. Uh, and you have a very unique quarterback situation to go with it. But uh, I mean, just putting these two guys on the field at the same time creates an immense number of problems, not only from a sort of big play downfield passing type of thing, but uh, they're both excellent in in catch and run situations. They're guys you can get the ball into their hands quickly and and just watch them go. I'm I'm really fascinated to see how it works, uh, to say the least. I, I do think people are talking about the downfield passing game. Does Tua have the arm strength, etc.? I mean, you mentioned it, Gary. What they can do for their running game. Uh, just what they can do, I think, horizontally as opposed to vertically, right? Like how many mm-hmm. times do the Chiefs just get the Tyree, get Tyree kill the ball on a crosser or a drag route or something along those lines uh, and let him create after the catch? I mean, I, I think that that's Tua's bread and butter and a, a place where he can have success. Um, in all seriousness, I, I, to me, the most interesting part of this trade, again, you know, I cover the NBA and I think about it in NBA terms. When you have a quarterback – I'm not saying we don't know if two is great or not, right? But we do know he's on his rookie contract. We know that. Mm-hmm. We know that he's he's never going to be more affordable than than where he is right now. Yep, yep. Uh, like now is the time to go all in, acquire these types of players, and find out what you have at the very least. Uh, we've seen the quarterback carousel, especially this off season. Uh, it's been spinning out of control. I, I do think that they can look at the situation, and it also makes them more attractive. For a quarterback in the future, if they, you know, whatever clarity they get on Tua this season. At some point, Gary, when you said this is going to cause a lot of problems, I thought you were going to say for the Dolphins' offense and not for the teams that they were going to be facing. Uh, th- I-, I think this is a horrible trade. I think, like, 
I think Chris Greer continues to be like the worst, like nakedly the worst general manager in football. And, uh, and I'm not just saying this is a bit because Rohan's on, but like the reason you <laughs> needed to sign Taron Armstead is because you traded your first good left tackle and recoup nothing with the draft capital. So now your owner allows you to go out and do crazy stuff again. Nice of them to let basically uh, use the shadow of the Deshaun Watson trade to be able to acquire Tyreek Hill, um, you know, uh, consequence free in the media this week. And, um, but yeah, I, I just, th- this entire thing is laughable. Like I, th- it's such a luxury and, you're taking someone that basically was created by Patrick Mahomes in this offense and hoping that it can work with to a tongue of Iloa, who I, I agree, Rohan. I don't think the book is completely out on yet, unlike Gary, but uh, <laughs> this is, this is not what you need. You need like, you need 50, 50 ball guys. You need people who are going to like win with completion with like catch rate over expectation and Tyree kill. I mean, you know, I, I think Tua is a little bit like Kyler Murray. Like I think that there is a there is an issue with getting your intermediate targets the ball. Like teams are just basically going to to borrow an NBA term, full court press the Dolphins and be in their face on every down. I I don't see how this works. It's a tw- he's 28 also. He's a 28-year-old speed threat. Like how is this any different than the worst years of the Raiders in terms of how they viewed their roster construction? Boy, I, I don't like how you hooked me into that take at the very end, by the way, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, my entire goal in this podcast is to – and so, it, I worked with somebody who did this, and he used to say, uh, for show planning purposes, what are you talking about? And then he would take the worst part of my take and then headlock me into it um, – <laughs> And then just basically like beat me up like a patsy in WWF. So maybe this is a little bit of passive aggression on my part, but I didn't know you were going to be so somewhat pro dolphins on this. I, I again, I I will put it this way: tell me how this is any different than like the two thousand. Uh, when did uh, Rich Gannon leave the Raiders and they became bad again? Like two thousand. Six Raiders, yeah. like when they had like Andrew Walter and uh... Marcus Tuiasosopo. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> okay. Um, let's not compare to a uh, to Andrew Walter, please. <laughs> um, I, I, I hear you, Connor. I also think that, like I said, I mean, they're not paying their quarterback that much. Uh, you mentioned Tyree Kill was made by Patrick Mahomes. I think I saw. I wish I could cite this person, uh, but in 2017 with Alex Smith as his quarterback, I think he still led the NFL Fair. in deep deep passing yards. Um, Alex I Smith think, is pretty good too, though. Yeah, but it's someone who's not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, if, not necessarily known for his downfield arm strength, right? I mean, you look at what Tua does do well. It's at least completing short throws and completing passes at yes. a high percentage. I, I also think you're putting two great receivers in the hands of someone who's proven to be a, a pretty nimble and creative offensive line in Mike McDaniel. Um, we saw how he revived the 49ers offense last year when he started using Debo more in the backfield. Uh, beyond that, he also was the offensive coordinator of a team that just like beat Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs uh, and and pushed the Rams uh, to the limit in the championship game. So uh, to me, I, I understand why you are saying that it's like the Raiders. This is not a, a Dolphins team that's been historically <laughs> successful. I won't argue that, but 
I don't know. To me, the idea that this is that bad of a trade. Listen, Laramie Tunsil died for this. Okay, this is what you know. This is why they made that <laughs> that Larry Tunsil <laughs> trade years ago. Uh, we've seen teams now. Uh, I think get rid of draft picks at an alarming rate, and I, I do think that that's a a little bit of a change in the NFL. So I. I I agree there are reasons to be skeptical, but I'm not willing to go as far as Connor on this one for sure, certainly. NBA guy brought some uh, good points to the table there. Uh, I will say this, from a a short-term standpoint, I like the trade in that uh, this is also my pessimism on, on Tua coming out. I don't think Tua is ever going to be a guy who can thrive uh with the kind of contested catch guys. I think he made some small strides as far as like testing smaller windows last year, but not enough that I'd ever want to do anything to emphasize that part of his game. I think if you're going to build around Tua, you need guys who can separate, who can give him huge throwing windows, uh, and also guys who can, you know, get, get him the ball quickly. Let him, let him do their thing. Uh, that's the formula I think you have to do with him. And I think you have to go get another quarterback next offseason. But uh, we, won't, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, and look, maybe maybe we shouldn't because the other, I guess, number three, if you're ranking them at this point, news story that, that came out in the last week about the Dolphins was that Teddy Bridgewater was pretty cagey when asked about whether he oh, was here, here to be. Tua Tungavailoa's backup. Uh, he said he'd, he'd rather not discuss that, and that's private, et cetera, et cetera. We know what happened a couple years ago with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They upgrade over Ryan Fitzpatrick, bring in Jacoby Brissett, and still uh, uh, Tua mm. hangs on to the job last year. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater hangs is Hangs on to the job. Did you watch Jacoby Brissett play last year? <laughs> Jacoby. Did you watch him, Did you watch him will... lose to the skeleton crew of the Indianapolis Colts? I will squeak, dis- squeak by the Houston Texans. Good I lord, will, hang I on dis- to the job. I will. I will destroy this recording and come out to uh, inland Los Angeles and and confront you personally if you're going to slander <laughs> Jacoby Brissett on this show, Rohan. I won't have it. I've I've seen Cleo Lemon take snaps at quarterback <laughs> oh, for man, the Miami Cleo Dolphins, and, yeah. I, and I was more excited for those than every snap Jacoby Brissett took. Oh. You just you don't know what you had there, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Though, t- look, no one's no one's necessarily uh, thrilled with the prospect of Teddy Bridgewater running their offense. He brings a lot of the uh, you know look a, a lot of the flaws into his game are also in, in Teddy's game. I think you would argue he is a more steady option at this point, probably a more reliable option, uh, though obviously a lower upside option uh, in twenty twenty two, but. Again, if you're kind of thinking we're uh, look, I, I think they should be fully prepared to move on after the season. Uh, you want to crack the door open a little bit? That's fine. He's young; anything can happen, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I don't know what what do we think of the prospect of of Teddy Bridgewater essentially <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatricking Tua? I love it. Uh, steady Teddy <laughs> is. Uh, <coughs> Steady Teddy was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football last year. I think it was like ranked third or fourth in expected points added per play. Um, uh, there's a lot to like about this guy. I'll tell you. I'll tell my Teddy Bridgewater story that I tell uh, everybody when they want to know what the deal is with this guy. Um, 
I was in Turtle Bay in Honolulu for the last Hawaii Pro Bowl. I was working for the NFL. <clears throat> and um, we got a day pass to uh, work out at the gym there because they put us in a courtyard in a dry Mormon town like 50 miles uh, west of there with no view of the ocean. Uh, just, you know, getting some passive aggression out there. But uh, worked out at the gym and went out to the this is Turtle Bay, this beautiful resort, and went out and... <clears throat> and every NFL player is out there just like partying, right? It's like pools and music. And there are like, there are NFL players that I see like walking up the driveway of the resort who would have never made the Pro Bowl and like are not in the Pro Bowl. And they're just like, yeah, I'm down here to party. So then I walked into the gym, uh, uh, got like a day pass there. Only person in there working out, refining his game during the Pro Bowl, Teddy Bridgewater, ready to go. So I think, uh, I've always uh, I've always used that one very small window <laughs> example to uh, to bolster my take that he is a uh, he's a top twenty NFL quarterback and uh, I think it won't take long for him to uh, to prove that and here's here's the other, I, I will say this without being uh, as smart alecky as uh, as I was at the beginning of this take. The Shanahan offense, which Mike McDaniel had a large part in creating, right? I mean, Kyle took Mike everywhere. Mike has basically created all of what Kyle understands about the run running game. Um, and he's going to bring all that to Miami. However, the, the, the system has rules. And there's a reason that Trey Lance isn't playing right now, right? Y you have to read things the way that Kyle reads it. Or in this case, two is going to have to read things the way that Mike reads it. If I had to guess... Who is going to be able to do that faster? And I don't think the Dolphins are behaving like a team that's like, oh no, we can wait eight weeks for you to figure this out. I, I just, I, I, and would be very surprised to not see a transition at some point this season. Oh my, okay. First of all, I'm not going to besmirch, <laughs> not going to besmirch uh, Miami native Teddy Bridgewater. Great to have him back home. I, I don't this is what just bothers me about the NFL there's just like there's no patience in this league whatsoever it's like first of all do people expect this guy to come out and be like oh I'm stoked to be a backup quarterback I, I can't wait to be a backup quarterback I'm I signed in Miami to be of course he's not going to say all those things okay in fact I want him to be a competitor I want him to want the starting job secondly the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is a known quantity I mean that's the point right that's the point um you you take a chance on someone like Tua because, as Gary mentioned, perhaps there is more upside. Um, I'm with Connor, right? They're making win-now moves. I get that. But to me, it's like, for as bad as Tua is, as much as you guys want to dump like all these things on his feet, you make it sound like he's, he's never won a game in the NFL. They haven't had success with him on the field. You look at the rookie the rookie years of guys like Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, okay? Some of the stinkers they put up. Tua's never had an NFL game that bad in his life, uh, as some of the, the multiple interception games those guys have had. Uh, yet, to me, they face nowhere near as much scrutiny. And you look at what Tua's dealt with, um, an ownership group is questionable how incentivized they are to win. Uh, his rookie year, he has an offensive coordinator who had to pull out of retirement just to work with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Last year, they had two offensive coordinators. No one even knows who's calling the plays most of the season. Um, I just think the degree of difficulty has been so high for him. And again, this isn't to say that he's proven that he's going to be great. He's definitely going to be good. Uh, to me, it's like 
you might as well run out the string with this guy, even if it means going into his fourth year and not exercising that fifth year option. Um, because what are you getting with Teddy Bridgewater? Like that's not a long-term solution either. Um, to me, it makes so much more sense for these teams uh, to play out the string with these young quarterbacks and then go back into the draft and find guys. And again, I understand like the nature of the league, like, Two years can make a, a way bigger difference in someone's career in the NFL than in most other sports just because of the attrition, et cetera. But uh, to me, the, the idea that they signed Brit Bridgewater to be the guy or anything like that, I, I mean, it's preposterous. I mean, for literally from the moment Mike McDaniel took the job, you know, they have him on the phone with Tua. Uh, I think that they've made it very clear. They didn't have to be so vociferous publicly um, about the McDaniel-Tua partnership. And I think it makes sense to ride that out um, for at least one full season and arguably even two just based on the nature of his contract. But, uh, again, I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. Like, like I said, Miami native. He should have never gone to Louisville. It's insane that the Hurricanes let him get out of state. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just don't understand that line of thinking because I, I think you take a risk on someone who, before he hurt his hip at Alabama, was the, one of the top QB prospects. Um, of the last 10 years? The thing, and I will speak for all football guys right now, <laughs> the, the thing that worries me about Tua is he's just not really a traits guy. And that's not to say he's he's slow. You know, he's, he has decent mobility. He has decent arms. I, I think we are overstating an arm talent issue with him. His arm is, is far better than Teddy Bridgewater's. Uh, but when you look around the league and you watch a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, uh, on and on, Lamar Jackson, I mean, these guys have special traits that you just don't have with Tua. The one comp you'd probably make is, okay, could he be Joe Burrow-ish? Uh, but obviously Joe Burrow is, is sort of so much further along than Tua is at this point. I think those guys just face an uphill climb in the league right now that is just really difficult to uh, to to top the mountain or whatever my metaphor is at this point. You, <laughs> this is coming from somebody who uh, uh, reads uh, too many parenting articles and books. But the way that you said you were like, Tua, you're not a bad quarterback. There's just quarterbacks with a lot of special traits, and you possess. None of them. And I was like, what an amazing, like, what an amazing way to put that to, like, somebody. It's just like, here's all these amazing things that all these other people do, and you don't do any of them, but that doesn't mean that you're not, in some way, special. In, uh, in a way, your special trait is that you have no special traits. Uh, here's what I want to know. Uh, we can we can argue about uh tua and uh whether or not he's good all day uh i i, I have a feeling that we're not going to convert rohan here um and <laughs> all i'm saying is we're gonna find out this year that's the thing we're gonna, the find, the day, out. We're gonna find out we're gonna find out and also i was the Tua as as crappy of a job as i'm doing today i was the Tua defender on this podcast for uh, a calendar year uh i'm si i'm sick of it and so it's i'm glad to have rohan here but i would say like uh, let's just you know, uh, let's just paint an overall picture of you know we've been, we've of smarminess in terms of like okay, Stephen Ross uh, offered his coach a hundred thousand allegedly offered his coach a hundred thousand dollars a loss, um, 
fired him, igniting this uh, reckoning, this lawsuit. Um, he tried to force Deshaun Watson to settle the lawsuit so he could trade for him at the deadline last year. And now he's like, oh, yeah, I learned my lesson. Give me Tyree Kill. Uh, nothing wrong with that guy. Nothing going on there. Like, it, I mean, all these organizations are lining up to uh, to win the gold medal for just lowest that you can go uh, offseason. But, like, as a Dolphins fan, Rohan, how do you reckon that? Because this is a... To me, an extraordinarily disgusting display over the last eight months or nine months or whatever it's been for the Dolphins. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Connor. And I, I was, we definitely should bring this up, right? I mean, you guys have talked about it in this podcast, Connor. You've written about the team, the Browns, the teams that didn't acquire Deshaun Watson. It's all been really gross, frankly. Um, I, I don't want to get into like the who did worse. Olympics yeah. between like no, no, Tyreek no. yeah. and you know, you know that like for what it's worth, like Tyreek Hill pled guilty. Um, I, I don't know the exact charge. It was a domestic abuse case. He pled guilty to it. Um, he underwent counseling. Like I, I don't know Tyreek Hill as a person. I don't know if the justice system is the best way to judge rehabilitation. Like him pleading guilty, frankly, is a step towards accountability that someone like Deshaun has not even hinted at, at taking. Um, you know, as far as the Dolphins go, Stephen Ross, yeah, I mean, it's been a disaster. The the public and private missteps this guy's made. Uh, you know, a few years ago, after LeBron James left the Heat, he said the Dolphins were capturing the imagination um, of South Florida. Since then, the Heat went to the finals. The Dolphins <laughs> uh, remain to be a joke. I mean, uh, on one hand, he is starting you know, an initiative for equality in sports. On the other hand, he's hosting these huge money fundraisers for Donald Trump. Um, it's it's a problem. I, I know that it's it's hard because naturally as sports fans, you just get excited about what's been going on in the NFL this offseason, all the player movement, etc. Obviously, it happens in the NBA all the time. It, it's one of the most fun parts about the sport. But I can like confidently say as a Dolphins fan, there are certain players on the team that I – will always root for i mean two is one of them uh but the owner like certainly not certainly not and i think um it's awful how little steven ross answers questions it's it, he hasn't had to answer for brian flores yet um but it's kind of the position the league has put its fans in right are you going to find a team of 53 people uh who don't have anything in their past and we've seen the league time and time you know look past these mistakes we saw it with ben roethlisberger to an extent yeah. right uh, and people were celebrating him this last season even though he was awful too it wasn't even like he was playing well uh but they still felt the need to celebrate him so it's tough i mean i i said this when the watson trade happened and i know we don't want to get into that but in general i Something that bothers me is when people throw their hands up and say, oh, oh that's the business, you know, what, what do you do? What are they going to do? Not acquire these football players? And my argument is yes. Like there's no one, no one's forcing these teams' hands. No one's forcing these general managers' hands uh, that they have to acquire these players. Um, you know, at some point, I don't know if it's on the media, but we have to get the message across that wins, in fact, are not everything, right? It, it, that shouldn't yeah. be, that, that shouldn't be the only thing um, we've come to expect or want uh, from our sports team. I appreciate the fact that we just dropped the absolute heaviest part of the show on Rohan, and we're like, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you Sorry take about this. that. 
Sorry. That is, uh, yeah, that, that was the basketball metaphor would be, uh, there was like three seconds left on the shot clock, and we had dribbled <laughs> through 20 seconds and just handed it to Rohan and be like, go ahead, buddy. Uh, I will mention... Uh, we will have a bonus episode, uh, SI Weekly. I call it a simulcast. I don't know if anyone else in the world calls it that. <laughs> nope. uh, Jenny Brentis appeared on there, talked to John Gonzalez about the Sean Watson cases. We are <laughs> we are also going to have Jenny Brentis on the Monday show to go over uh, the Deshaun Watson cases once again and, oh, and she's discuss a, some of these a, things. a local New York reporter, right? She is. She is uh, hyper local. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, local boy does good type of uh, story she's doing out there nice. for the 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 Times company. Um, I will say, Ron, the one thing, and I do want to give you credit for this. Uh, and none of us want to sit here and say like, well, yeah, you know, Tyreek Hill reached the proper threshold where we can now forgive. Right. But there right. Was that's at not least, for us to say. You know, that's yes. the, Yeah. Yeah. There was at least like that minimum step toward it. And he has publicly said, you know, I, I take responsibility for my terrible actions, et cetera, et cetera. Now there were there are some issues in the future. It, it wasn't enough. That that's you know that's something of a gray area. But uh, we have not seen Deshaun Watson take that step yet. Um, and we are we're going to talk more about that with Jenny when she comes on uh, on Monday's show. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, What? Salt and pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
In the final months of World War II, the Nazis began using a rocket-powered bomb. It travelled faster than the speed of sound, which meant you couldn't hear it coming. And it was a cruel, spiteful weapon. Technologically, it was a miracle. But economically and militarily, the V-2 rocket was a total disaster. How did it come into existence? Why were so many of the people it hurt, not the people you might expect? And what lessons can we glean from this catastrophic mega-project even today? Join me, Tim Harford, host of the Cautionary Tales podcast for my gripping mini-series on the Nazi V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about the Chiefs. Because we've all kind of wondered, okay, what's Patrick Mahomes going to be when the day comes that Travis Kelsey is retired and Tyreek Hill is retired and you know he's thrown to Miko Hardman and, and Byron Pringle I guess Byron Pringle's not there anymore uh Juju Smith-Schuster is in there now not even uh, Byron Pringle yeah I know I was gonna say he he wishes he is Byron Pringle <laughs> uh but this is how look, good are Tyreke Pringles Hill? by the way this is not an ad just how good are Pringles <laughs> I just want to throw that out there if we're really? gonna keep saying you don't like Pringles Oh my god! No, well, here, let me, because th- this, this is going to sound like I'm just we, like this is first take, and I just had you on to disagree with you about everything, and that's really not the case. <laughs> I, if anybody came with Rohan, took uh, Mitch Goldich and our editor Mitch Goldich and I on a taco crawl through Los Angeles, and it was honestly one of the like top five most delightful days of like <laughs> the last five years, um, and uh, it was it was just wonderful. And that was the first time I actually met you in person. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. I d- would like did not disappoint. It was like uh, the whole experience was phenomenal. Um, but I don't like Pringles. But anyway, let's just uh, you know, <laughs> That's, wow. it, it's okay. It, yeah. The, okay. It, I I you know that's I might, have to, I might have to pop open a can later today. <laughs> I was going to say I also don't like Pringles, but I'll let uh, I'll let Connor I'll let Connor wear that one. <laughs> Uh, let's talk so, about the yes. Chiefs. Let's talk about the Chiefs. <laughs> Ty- Tyreek Hill is gone. He was their. Uh, he was obviously their their biggest speed element. They still have Miko Harbin. They still have some guys who can run. But Hill was the guy, both uh, downfield, out of structure stuff, and also look. Connor, you have championed this cause. It is my favorite take of the off season. It's not a take. It's it's just it's smart football analysis that. The check down, the, the shorter catch and run opportunities, that's what is going to define offenses in 2022. Tyreek Hill was still a weapon in that. I, I still think back to um, when they beat the Browns in the uh, 
uh, the 2020 season, 2021 calendar year playoffs. And the clinching play was a short, you know, pass to uh, to Tyreek Hill to convert it. Uh, it was just putting him in the slot. Uh, he gets a little bit of room for a release. He absolutely blows the cornerback, you know, out of the water on the release, and he's wide open. And you can do those kinds of things with him. Uh, now that is gone. And and again, like Nico Hardman is is fast. He's not. He's not. Tyreek fast. He's not Tyreek quick. He's not Tyreek strong. He he. This is a this is a significant downgrade for for Patrick Holmes' weapons right now. Yeah, I just want to throw out there. So first of all, how many third and one and fourth and one plays have the Chiefs run uh, where they just have Mahomes sprint right and yeah. you see you see Tyreek Hill get open? I, I mean, that's been their short yardage bread and butter. Um, I want to shout out. Uh, I, I wanted to come with the research on this podcast, okay? So I was like, I want to know, like, what's Patrick Mahomes? Uh, one of the best and most important stats in the NBA. It's your on-off differential, all right? How well does this mm-hmm. team play when this player is on the court versus off the court, etc.? Uh, how well does a certain player perform when they're playing with their best players versus when those players are on the bench? Uh, so Jim Sanis, he's a writer for Number Fire, tweeting out these stats for me. So shout out to Jim. Uh, <laughs> but here we go. From 2019 to 2021, uh, Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill on the field, um, a .23 expected points added per drop back. Uh, 52.6% passing success rate. I don't really know what that stat is. I'm going to be honest. I know expected points added. Never heard of passing success rate. But without Tyreek Hill, again, from that 2019 to 2021 sample, 0.12 expected points added per drop back. So almost half, uh, 45.6% passing rate. So it sounds like there has been a significant difference for Mahomes with Hill on the field. Now, granted, theoretically, this year they'll have players to replace him they also signed Juju Smith-Schuster but I thought that was pretty interesting uh those splits with uh Hill on and off the field yeah that's a great um that's a great stat I my balance here would be if you're Brett Veach and you're Andy Reid mm-hmm. do you know um do you know that maybe you've reached your limit with with what you could do with Tyreek Hill, but I admit, like, this has to be scary with Travis uh, Kelsey uh, creeping into his mid-30s and all of the things that they ask him to do in that offense. I mean, he's an every-down blocker. He's, you know, um, all of what Rob Gronkowski was that drove him out of the league at 30 before he unretired, you know? And so... I think you add that into the equation. At some point, he's not going to be able to be opening up a lot of these lanes. And uh, Tyreek Hill being the short yardage threat that he was. Um, and then you bundle all that into sort of the little undercurrent of what nobody's really been bringing up, but everybody was bringing up after Patrick Mahomes' first season, second season, and when they were struggling uh, through the beginning of the season last year, is he still isn't like he he still isn't there and i think he would admit this he still isn't there as sort of that classic pro style quarterback like if you take away a lot of the things that i can do extraordinarily well like move around uh create situations downfield accentuate my phenomenal arm strength and accuracy if you take a lot of that away i'm still not beating you as efficiently as regularly as like you know two steps boom out with the ball two steps boom out with the ball and so I think it's going to be kind of an interesting challenge here for him because you know I think a lot of people have always wondered like okay what is he going to look like now and I still think he's going to be great I'm, I'm just saying that 
now we have the opportunity to see exactly how great or how not great you know th- this looks and you're all, only on year three by the way of a 10-year <laughs> 450 can i ask you contract, can i ask so. you guys a um a kind of a macro question about the chiefs because i randomly got in an argument with someone about this during the playoffs but do you think the fact that they've won only one super bowl in the last three or four years is that a disappointment Hmm. I mean, I, I I always say no. I, I I think the I think the threshold is: Are you in the? Are you legitimately in the Super Bowl conversation? And then it just comes down to one game sample size. I I agree. I mean, if you won a Super Bowl, like I've completely flipped my take on this. I used to be um, somewhat anti Les Snead, and I was like, "This is ridiculous. This isn't the way to build a long term uh, franchise." And then I was like, "Who cares? He won a Super Bowl." Um, and that's all that anybody's ever going to care. Like if, if Rams fans start to exist one day, that's all they're going to care about <laughs> is the fact that they won a Super Bowl. And so I think that with the chiefs, it's like, yeah, we won a Super Bowl. Uh, we're, we're still interesting. We're still competitive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all that there is I, to it. I, but- I guess I, what I, what I'll add to that is I generally agree. And I'm not someone who's like the only way to measure success is to count championships. That's like reductive in a boring way to watch sports or be entertained by sports, etc. Having said that, I'll say the slight differentiating factor to me is I think we all agree they might have, if not the most, like a top three physically gifted quarterback of all time who've mm-hmm. hosted the AFC championship game. Um, basically every year he's been a starter, right? Uh, it's interesting because I'm with you guys generally. Like, if you get one, that that goes a long way. At the same time, when you consider, I think Andy Reid probably to me is a top five coach of all time. You look at the success he's had, not only with Mahomes, but all the different quarterbacks he's coached. The success he's had, right? I mean, AJ Feely was pushing the undefeated Patriots. Um, it's interesting. I think it's actually a an interesting conversation, only because I, I, they have one of the just the most revolutionary guys to play that position um and they've hosted all those games uh those AFC championship games in some ways to me it's crazy that they only have one i guess is what i'm saying it's it's like the i mean look it it, it is the rogers thing rogers you know 10 years ago we said rogers was the most talented quarterback in, in the yeah. history of the league uh, he only has one ring. Uh, the other thing kind of clouding this is obviously you're looking at Mahomes and being like, well, he's going to play for another 12 years. You know, his prime's going to go on and on forever. So, of course, he'll get another one at some point. But then you look at what's happened in the AFC and the fact that, like, every other team has, like, a you know, a, a 26-year-old quarterback, like, born from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. Is it is he? I mean, probably. But, you know, you're you're a little less sure of it now. I mean, we already saw him lose one to Burrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll say this, too. I mean, you know, and, and this is not really um, this is not really a valuable part of the conversation, but this is my specialty is to kind of bring up stuff that's not <laughs> valuable to the conversation. But yep. um, uh, <laughs> you didn't have to agree that. <laughs> you didn't have to agree that thoroughly, Gary. Um, uh, but we don't know. I mean, look at. You know, I use Andrew Luck as an example, but like mm-hmm. we don't know. Like, I, and I think that if this offseason taught us anything, I think this is in to sort of tie a bow on all the stuff that we've been seeing here. 
everybody now is living in one-year windows, right? And I guess to Rohan's point, right, if you have Patrick Mahomes and you don't win the Super Bowl this year, right now, uh, independent of the past and the future, there has to be some level of disappointment, right? Because everybody has figured out that you cannot plan on anything in the NFL. Like, you know, the, and to use all different kinds of examples, I mean, the Colts definitely thought that Andrew Luck was still going to be their quarterback right now. The Cardinals, you know, maybe three years from now, will be watching, you know, Kyler Murray in center field for the Oakland Athletics and be like, boy, that's been a weird, you know, turn of events for us. Good thing Steve Kyman, Cliff Kingsbury are on 10-year contract extensions too. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, there's injuries, there's all this other stuff. And so I think to play devil's advocate to myself and to Gary, uh, it would be, yeah, like, I think we're all in this hyper intensified one year window. And if you're a team that is good, then yeah, there is some element of disappointment. Like if you're the bills, the last two years, you could either view it as it's, this is a phenomenal story and the ascent of a franchise, or you can view it as that was probably their best shot. Now that Josh Allen's on a $45 million a year deal. And that's pretty disappointing. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's our roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the final months of World War II, the Nazis began using a rocket-powered bomb. 
It travelled faster than the speed of sound, which meant you couldn't hear it coming. And it was a cruel, spiteful weapon. Technologically, it was a miracle. But economically and militarily, the V-2 rocket was a total disaster. How did it come into existence? Why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? And what lessons can we glean from this catastrophic mega-project even today? Join me, Tim Harford, host of the Cautionary Tales podcast for my gripping mini-series on the Nazi V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating, to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, we're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So before we wrap it up here, and Rohan, genuine thanks for uh, coming on with us today. Well, this uh, is an incredible amount of fun. I'll do this whenever you guys want. This is, well, I'll say this. Normally, this is this is an anti-Tua podcast normally this is an anti-pringles <laughs> i podcast. know i'm I'm, uh, I'm well aware i'm well aware but, but also we're usually anti-research as well like the fact that you actually that was that it was super weird but uh i think it was good i think it's something connor and i should look into going forward yeah i mean uh you know uh when when he started saying he looked stuff up i mean numbers <laughs> stats i mean that was sort of a that was sort of a moment for me, a light bulb moment, where it was like, wow, maybe I should start, you know, preparing for this show. But, Rowan, <laughs> you're, uh, you're an NBA guy. You're an NBA person. True, true, uh, true. You're, you're an NFL fan. I just want to get yes. sort of your <laughs> – I want to get your overall take on sort of the uh, – I don't know, just, just, the, just the spectacle of the NFL offseason here. What Your likes, your dislikes – I definitely think it's been dialed up to an 11 this year. And to me, the exciting thing, and I'm not the first person to point this out, it's interesting to, to me to see the quarterbacks kind of break through somewhat. You know, the NFL is especially geared towards teams keeping their players, right? Um, whether it's the franchise tag, uh, uh, just the, the salary cap actually being real <laughs> In the NFL, as opposed to the NBA, which has all these exceptions, et cetera, stars are able to force their way out via trades. Um, I, I think it's exciting to see the NFL kind of embrace player movement, to see players uh, seemingly get to have a little bit more power in, in terms of where they want to go. Um, it, it's really crazy to me just how little – I mean, Russell Wilson, I, I can't believe that trade happened. Um, uh, to see these guys move around, it, it usually just doesn't happen like that. Uh, in this league, which is is really interesting to me, so I, I think it's been fun. I, I wonder how sustainable it is. I, I wonder if you know in the NBA, for example, every time there's kind of 
a huge swath of player movement or, or huge rash of player movement, inevitably in the next collective bargaining agreement, there is some kind of reaction, right? There's some kind of reaction from the owners, um, whether it's we can offer our own players more money, et cetera. There's some kind of new mechanism introduced uh, to kind of restrict that movement. I'm curious to see over kind of like a five-year time period how an offseason like this or multiple offseasons like this one, how that could affect, uh, you know, just how the business is run in the future. Uh, because usually these things tend to have consequences years down the line that, that people don't think is going to happen in the moment. Owners don't like when players move around. <laughs> they really don't. And <laughs> they got to figure out yeah. something. All right. We got Jenny Vrentis and John Gonzalez on a bonus episode coming later this week. Connor and I are back with Jenny on Monday. And uh, can, can I just say, your... can I just say, I appreciate yeah. that this was the real episode and that other one is the bonus episode. <laughs> that means a lot to me. That means the a lot. The bonus to me. sounds better, though. I, no, it doesn't. No, I, I it doesn't. Think. The bonus is just like whatever. People like it'll pop up in people's podcast feeds, and I'm like, "The hell is this? I didn't. I wasn't. Ex- you know, who put this episode in my? But no, this is the, the deal. This is this is the whole hog. You know, this is it. So no, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season 4 of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. 
That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.